Welcome to Elevated Insights, the podcast that takes you on a journey of personal growth. Join us each week as we explore how to overcome challenges, embrace opportunities, and transform your life. I'm your host, Val Hunting, and each week I speak with Angie Tumlinson, the thought leader and CEO of Elevate You Institute. Angie Tumlinson is a master of the transformative process and brings a fresh perspective to the outdated coaching paradigm. We hope you enjoy this podcast and look forward to exploring many opportunities and ideas with you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of Elevated Insights with Angie Tumlinson. I'm your host, Val Hunting. Um, Today, we're going to be discussing a little bit about relationships. So, um, Angie, I'm interested in knowing uh, what's your longest relationship besides me, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have, of course, my brother and sister. Both my parents are gone. But I would have to say one of my longest relationships is with my husband. Of course. Yes. The lovely Matt. The lovely Matt. So we've been married 32 years. This will be our 33rd year. Married, but we knew each other three years prior. So Wow. Yeah. So he's one of my longest every day in my life relationships. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And um, I mean, I think, you know, there's there's probably a few people out there that have, have long-term relationships and we all know um, the ups and downs. And I mean, you guys have gone through quite a bit of life change together when you think about where you started and what you were doing when the two of you got married and where you've ended up now. And it could have just as easily been a journey where, he decided not to come along or, you know, because it has been such a drastic change. Yeah. 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 Or I could have, I could have not had him come with me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It could have been either one's choice. (laughs) (laughs) It's all relative to your positioning. Yeah. Exactly. But I'm curious, like, um, and, and maybe just give a little background about, you know, where you've come from. And, and I'm interested in, you know, when you yourself started moving in this direction, did it place some pressures on the relationship? Um, how did you get through those and get to the other side? So tell us a little bit about that whole story. Well, I went away to college and my whole life, uh, I grew up in a very, um, you know, I'm grateful for, I'm grateful for our background. We both come from a very similar background. So does my husband. Um, but, uh, I grew up in the States and my husband grew up in Canada and we met at college and we both grew up, uh, in religious homes that marriage was a very big thing, you know, to get married and, you know, have children and, you know, it, that's God's plan. That's God's plan. Yes, it is. And it is a lifetime commitment. Don't you forget it. (laughs) Faithfully. Faithfully. uh, Yes. Faithfully. (laughs) And what, what happened is that I wasn't interested in getting married. You know, I, I didn't really want to get married, although culturally I knew that was, what I should do, but I had lots of things that I wanted to do. I mean, you and I both, uh, you know, grew up with music and so we loved it and we wanted to explore it. And, you know, I went, I went to school for music and so did you, and, you know, we wanted to go around the world and, you know, create our music and do all kinds of things. And I ended up meeting Matt and I thought, wow, I really like him. And he had music background in him as well. There was a lot of things that were very similar to what I recognized. And so 
um, I made the decision that, yeah, I would go ahead and marry Matt. Mm-hmm. And I remember when he first asked me, I went, are you sure? Because I'm not sure you're sure. But anyway, <laughs> he was like, no, I, I no, this is really what I want. And so I thought, well, you know, I guess if I'm wanted, then that's a good thing. And so yes. um, I ended up getting married. Now, he is very wonderful, can I just tell you? And yes. uh, he wanted to have children. Uh, I wanted to wait. I wanted to wait five years. And then when we got to about four and a half years, I was like, let's start the five-year process over again. And I ended up getting pregnant. And I didn't really want to have children. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because I saw if I had children, then my life would change dramatically again. Mm-hmm. And it isn't that I'm, I'm I, so I have three daughters and I'm super grateful for them. But however, I don't want to say but, but um, however, I, I, ended up getting pregnant and it wasn't really, I couldn't really figure out the cause and effect of that. <laughs> I mean, I know the cause and effect of it, but I we mean, know how babies are made, but I yes, do, <laughs> I am responsible for that one. Um, but <laughs> I, I wasn't sure why it took this time. And right. And that was one of the things, you know, I was really shocked at where we were in our life and having a, a child was the last thing on my mind. And it's mm. probably why. But anyway, we got pregnant and then we had three, we had two more children. And so through our lifetime, I fell right into the role that I grew up saying I yes. was going to do. So I became the wife, the mother, the helpmate, the blah, 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 all these things that the reason I didn't want to get married, I fell right into those. Right into they were it, natural yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. And so then there came a time where my dad, it was just an accident, but he was 61 and he was killed by a train. And that really shook me up. Mm-hmm. And then five years later, uh, my mother got cancer and then she passed away. And that was another moment where I was really grounded in life by my past and by my background, by my parents. And when both of those are gone, you're not tethered to some things. And I had already sort of left, I would say, um, I, I would say I left religion. I would not say I left God, but I left religion and the practice of religion, um, and I started practicing, I would say, more of a spirituality, more of an understanding of who God is, rather than the God that I was told. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> through that experience, um, I was no longer a daughter, and I had a business, and because of of the death of my parents, I walked out of the business. My husband and I owned two of them, and we had sold one, and then he started running the other one, and then... I didn't know my children were leaving to go to college and universities or colleges and and travel and do all kinds of things. They didn't want to go to school, by the way. They didn't want to go to college. They tried it for a short, a little short little stint, and both of them said, no, this is not what I want to do. And the third one hadn't quite decided that. But in the middle of all of that, between my husband and I, he then became... I owned one business and he owned the other and he took over the one that I did. And then my children were gone and my parents were gone. So if I'm not, if I'm not a a daughter, if I'm not a mother and if I'm not a business owner and 
my husband and I, our relationship was changing so much. Who am I? Who are you? Yeah. 49 when this happened. Who am wow. I? And I didn't have anybody telling me who to be. My husband was su- my husband was super distracted at the business. My daughters were out in the world figuring it out. And I I just didn't have a church or anything that I really belonged to. So I was sort of by myself figuring this out. Who am I? Yeah, and I think um I think for people listening, it's really significant because um you were also, you know, you had built up congregations like you were you were very involved in the church. It wasn't that you just went to church. You were like, you know, very, very much involved in the ministry. Um, And I think, you know, this is a really important realization. And I think a lot of people, you don't, you don't necessarily, it takes a long time to get there because you've transitioned from your parents and those relationships or your expectations, people telling you what to do. You set off in the direction, um, you know, maybe you may have replaced uh, a home relationship with a with a romantic relationship that is serious, whether it's marriage or or whatever. Um, and to and to have an opportunity to be alone as an individual and figure out who you are. I feel like there's so many people that don't get that opportunity, or they're not able to create that opportunity for themselves because of the dynamics of the relationships that they've created around them. And, um, and I think I would encourage, like, if, if, if you feel like you're in a situation, you can figure this out in whatever context of your relationships that you're in. But, but to even ask that question, because the first time you start to ask that question, as, as I did, I had no idea, absolutely Mm -hmm. no idea who I was because you have all these other voices and messaging and, you know, programming. Yeah. Even if you think about, you know, being, being in the church or being in, in church, you know, even though we lived in different places, you know, there was always this connection with people. And I always had the stability of my family. And then also Matt's family, which was just, you know, they were my mother-in-law. I really loved my mom, my mother-in-law and she passed away as well in this short period of time. So it was my dad, my mom, my my brother-in-law and my mother-in-law all passed within, you know, a very short period of time in less than, in less than five years, they all That's passed That's crazy. Away. These yeah. are significant relationships. Significant, and then, yeah. yeah, my children were, were moving away. So there, even in the community, as far as being a business owner, you know, in the small community that I live in, uh, well, I mean, it's 40,000, but you know, we were downtown, a downtown business that was very well known. And uh, so I had a lot of connections there. But when all of this left, I didn't know anyone that was in that experience. There was no one that I could relate to. And my husband was there the whole time when it was happening. And but he was sort of too, too involved in what he was doing. And he was surviving as well. Because here's, here's now the relationship that he had, that he doesn't know how to help. He does not yes. have a relationship because uh, I had to reestablish who I am. You know, I, <laughs> silly as it is being, you know, 49 years old, um, I wasn't 49 when it all happened, but I, I was essentially, you know, an orphan. I mean, I had brothers and yeah. sisters, I had a brother and a sister, but, you know, they were dealing with it on their own. So I really was there in this moment by myself and asking myself, who am I? Who am I? And inevitably, you know, 
things start showing up in your life when you start asking yourself, well, after Matt said, you have to get off the couch, you can't be on the couch any longer. You have to do something. And so uh, when I got off the couch, I thought, okay, I, I'm going to, I joined actually a network marketing uh, group to believe, believe it or not, just to find some semblance in myself. And um, I did it some somewhat for the money and I did it uh, also for the community. And as I got involved in it, I started realizing I didn't have properties of success in myself. I mean, I had done some things, but I had sort of stumbled through life. I didn't really intentionally, like when you're at a place where you say, who am I? What do I want? Um, there, there was a moment where I started envisioning, well, what would happen if I could do something different? And I didn't really have the skills or the know-how or the, or even really who I am, but inevitably somebody will show up in your life. And for me, and I will forever be grateful for this. I met Bob Proctor and through that I started studying myself and, and that was, you know, the interesting thing is, is that if somebody would have given me a description of who he is or what he did, I probably would have rejected it because of my yeah. religious upbringing. Yes. But he looked like an elder at church. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Or a suit. He had his hair nicely combed. Yeah. You know, he had a an authority about him and all of those things. The way things. he spoke reminds me of, you know, exactly yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was just something where I, that, comforted me for some reason, even though I tend to rebel against authority, but anyhow, it comforted me. I, it was a feeling that I recognized. And so I went there and I began to study uh, with Bob. And then pretty soon he asked me, what do you want? And in that idea, I grew up with lots of ideas of money, lots of ideas about relationships. And I said, I wanted to make a lot of money. And he said, what's a lot? And I said, I don't know. And he said, well, why don't you turn your annual income into a monthly income? And I thought that was just outrageous. And I remember my cheeks got all red and I was really upset because I thought, you don't know what I've been through. How could I turn my annual income into a monthly income? And he said, don't worry about the who or the how, just what would it feel like? And so I did write a story. I did begin to imagine my life differently. And so for me, it was 50 grand. Uh, I'll just tell you that. That was the beginning of the transition was that I wanted something different. I chose it. I wanted it. Before, I think I was always working on needs. And in my relationship, yes. I was working on needs. Yeah. And my need was met in my marriage. My need was met with my family. And now I was at a place of want, which is a breakaway. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people recognize that or realize that in relationships uh, when you have a want. Mm -hmm. And it's not based on a need. And that was significant. And so I started going towards the want. And I remember my husband right away saying, okay, that sounds great to me. Go right ahead and do it. So it's not that he didn't support me, but it was not within his, it was not within his technology to take my annual income into a monthly income. It wasn't in my parents. It wasn't in anyone that I knew. Yeah. It wasn't like he could yeah. have an effect. It was... He was on board, but it was like, you have to do it because I have no idea how to do it. Yeah. Go ahead and have fun in that rainbow hearts and unicorn. Yeah, exactly. Thing. That too. Like that was kind leave. of, you know, <laughs> at least you're off the couch. And so uh, as I began to study and I began to study myself, all of a sudden I began to pull different aspects of myself together, different composites of myself. They were in there, but 
I never expressed them because I became this daughter, this mother, this, you know, wife. And these composites didn't equal any of those. They did not come together for those things. This came together of a study of me. And as I began to study me, all of a sudden, I felt like all these baby birds around me started saying, well, what about me? And what about me? And what about me? And and I was trying to do my new life and my old life. And then one day, I had a sit-down meeting with my family. And I said, I'm going to be studying myself, and things are going to change. Mm-hmm. And I said, I will no longer do these things. Everyone was capable. Yes. And I was enabling them in their capability of of being able to do stuff. I wasn't really seeing their potential to do stuff. And I thought they can do this and that actually would be a help to me. So I had this sit down thing with my family and I said, I will no longer do your laundry. I mean, my girls were in their, you know, late teens and early twenties. I said, I'm not going to do the laundry anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to cook and clean anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to do grocery shopping. Everyone's capable of doing it. I was doing it all. I'm going to study me because I'm going to transition myself into this other person. And everyone was like, oh, okay, mom. (laughs) I stopped doing things and our house got a little bit nasty. I have to tell you, I would, you know, pull my, my dish out to cook my meal and then I would wash it and put it back and the dishes were piling and the laundry was piling. And I would sort of walk through the mountains of clothes and do my own laundry and I d- I had I knew I had to do this. That takes a lot of strength. Like takes a lot of strength because mm. I was always the doer. Yeah. So I would almost just I made a space for myself that was my office, which really was a desk in the middle of the living room. Mm-hmm. And so when everyone was home, I couldn't study. But when I was by myself for eight or nine hours a day, I was studying and I was jumping on things and learning things and listening to people and writing and and really digging in and my family just could not relate to me. Mm. And then all of a sudden <laughs> I wrote down what my goal was, which was the 50,000 and two months later, I turned it into, I turned it into 50 grand and, and I didn't That's really amazing. share it except for with my husband. Right. And I was studying so much uh, that most days I'd really didn't get dressed, which was kind funny i stayed in my pajamas and my pink robe and i finally defined what a millionaire would look like for me because i realized i didn't even have a description of what a millionaire would look like for me Mm. and as i began to write it out and i began to say you know what she doesn't have to wear a bra she doesn't want to she can wear wear her pink fluffy robe all day long exactly i you know owning owning the businesses that we did i was always dressed up and i you know was always there at 6.30 in the morning and, you know, six in the morning and coming home like at four and five at night. So I didn't want to do that anymore. So I wanted a luxury home. And so my whole family was looking at me like my daughters had a, had a intervention meeting and said, dad, this is so unfair. Mother, mom is just not, not mother. They never call me mother. I don't know why I said that, but like mommy dearest i don't know but anyhow they had an intervention they said we don't think this is fair dad the way that mom is being she's not doing anything but matt knew what was coming into our bank account Mm -hmm. and so he had to say do you understand what your mother is doing like she is um 
she just made 50 grand. And I remember my daughters just sort of, their jaws dropped and all of a sudden things started getting picked up at the house. All of a sudden things started changing. Amazing. Isn't that amazing? I think it's like, um, cause that, that, that's, that signifies to me, you know, not, of course they absolutely adore you and everything. Cause you're the, you're, you're their mother. There's that whole relationship, but it's almost like there's a shift in that moment where they see you, they see you differently. They see, um, you as a powerhouse in areas they never would have thought about that before, you know, and then out of that comes like a level of respect of, of course, I'm going to pick up after myself. Of course, I'm going to do my laundry. Like, you know, in that moment, like when, when you, when you change in that moment, people around you will change in a moment, you know, in terms of how they behave with you. They were hostile for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, (laughs) you know, people were upset because their clothes weren't getting done and people are upset because there wasn't food and it was, you know, it was getting gross. It was getting nasty in our house. And I just kept my little corner picked up, but, I also remember there was a time where Matt, you know, we, we owned a catering company and a, and a restaurant. And I, when I walked out, I said, I, I'm not coming back. Like, I'm, I'm going to stay with this and I'm going to do this. And he was like, yeah, okay. And then it came down to where he had a catering and I knew he needed more help. And I kept saying, you know, are, are you sure that you've hired enough help? And it came down to the catering and I knew this was going to be an 18 hour day. It was a big wedding and anyway, they had things all through the day and he didn't hire somebody. And so it came down to it. And he said, I'm going to need you to come in tomorrow. And I said, no. Wow. And I knew, like, I don't know if you've ever been on your feet that many hours, but I yes, mean, I have. your body hurts so much. You, even the, when you, when you crawl into bed, even the sheets hurt. Yeah. Like, everything is, it's, yeah, everything yes, hurts so I have bad. Done that. Yeah. And so I knew that was going to be his day. And I just, I, I knew I could see it coming down. I, I don't know. You could call it that I manifested it, but I, I knew it was happening because I knew the patterns of our life. And I just said, I, I'm not going to do it. And I, I probably stayed on the couch all day and cried. Oh, I'm sure. I'm it was sure. awful. And I knew. Well, because it's a, it's also, you have that, uh, you feel like you're abandoning them in their time of need. And it comes from that old, um, you know, cause you would have done, you were the doer, you did everything. Of course you were going to be there, you know? And it's like, you, you can't, these moments where you stand firm are incredibly emotional moments and they are grieving moments, you know, they are because you've been, you've, you've been, um, I, I guess I would call myself a helpmate in people's life and I changed yeah. that. And so yeah. I started realizing other people, one of the things that I studied was the natural laws and that really affected me a lot in my relationships of seeing why some of the chaos that I had in my life was I did not understand my own cause and effect and I was too busy in the drama of other people's cause and effect. And yes. what was happening then is that I didn't know how to separate myself from it And so I tried to explain it to my family. I tried to help them cope with it. But when it came down to the end, this was a habit that they kept returning. And I created that habit. I did. Yes. So I had to first forgive myself to say, you know, I did this. And it was a necessity in the beginning. But Mm -hmm. as my kids were growing up, I didn't let go. Mm -hmm. 
as well as I could have. And so they got used to me not letting go. And so then it really comes to a point where you start beginning to say, do I believe in other people's potential as much as I believe in my own? And really, I was enabling them. Yes. I was enabling them to have significance <laughs> in my life. Yes. That's really, really difficult uh, transition for people to be in. And I think it happens all along the way when you're raising children and all along the way when you start your life out with your spouse is there's moments where you've got where you have the opportunity to see other people's cause and effect and learn to see that is theirs instead of jumping in full board with the drama of it and now taking it on as your own. So when I yes. stopped um, paying attention to their lives, now that doesn't mean I ignored them. It just means that I started paying more attention to my cause and effect Mm -hmm. And I started knowing that they were powerful enough to handle their own cause and effect. I was always there, but I didn't need to jump in. I could observe it. And, you know, it's really difficult to see your children do things and you know they're going to suffer, but that is the only way that they're going to learn is through falling down and getting back up. And you will tell them, you'll give advice, and sometimes you're unsolicited advice. So, you've got to learn that in relationships too, too to be a request yeah. of people. And this is probably one of the biggest lessons that I teach people around me is how to become a request in people's lives instead of manipulating. We are What I've really learned is people talk about manifestation, but we really don't know how to manifest. We really know how to manipulate other people. Yes, that is that's, so. That's not manifesting. That's not no. the use of free will. No. And, and this is why I think people don't have the sustainability in relationships because it isn't set up the right way. We actually set mm. up things to, to manipulate mm -hmm. and we don't do it intentionally. It's just the way that we were taught. Mm -hmm. You know, your parents pay attention to me and, you know, out of fear, I'm going to, I'm going to guide you, you know, don't do, do things that I tell you to do. And it's not out of a, a horrible thing. It's actually all it wrapped up in love. It's so messy. It's so, it's messy. so messy. Well, so and, um, you know, I was, uh, you know, my circumstance, mm -hmm. you know, my mother was a I was adoptive. My mother was a very strong character. <laughs> um, <Yes. laughs> bless her. And, uh, you know, so I learned, um, you know, and, and, and she had, I believe, um, you know, some chemical imbalances in her. Uh, I also believe she had an enormous amount of frustration um, with the situation she was in and she felt powerless to ch change it. And so she really came unhinged, you know, as, as my life was, she was, she admitted to me once in college that she was incredibly jealous of me and she had made my life a living hell, but she'd also taught me to be a very good caretaker because I was always hyper aware of what was happening with her, what her mood was, um, you know, to try to avoid mm -hmm. uh, chaos and consequence. And so I went out into the world as this person, so hyper aware of the relationships I was in and them and everything. And I did this in every single relationship for the longest, longest time. And, you know, culminating in a very long relationship where my caretaking, you know, completely emasculated my partner. Yeah. Um, I didn't 
respect him by the end um, as a as a partner. And and I realized actually, you know, because all along I thought I was the big hero, like right. I was saving him here and doing this. And wasn't I an amazing person for doing this? And at the end of it, I, I was so sick of it because it took me three, three tries to finally put an end to this relationship. And it was, I was so sick of it by the end. And I was so traumatized. And uh, um, I'm getting emotional talking about it. Like it was, (laughs) it was, you know, I still, I really grieved and I saw my own behavior and how I had done this. Yeah. And um, it really was a huge, huge realization for me. And um, so after that, I had I had one more short, horrible relationship because I think I was in a bad place. I just, you know, and then in the end, I merged into the relationship I have now. And and I would I would say um, I am not. I am just not that person. Like after I made the decision, I am, I have got to stop doing this. I'm not doing this. And as a result, you know, I've attracted someone who is, um, incredibly responsible. Amazing. Amazing man. Yeah. Starting his own business. Um, I offered to help him monetarily and he's like, you will not emasculate me. And I was like, whoa, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Said it one time, you know, and I mean, I won't go into the details of, of just how, it's just so incredibly different. The experience of this relationship, I'm not terrified of him being upset. Like I was, you know, every other relationship, I would be terrified of someone getting upset because the consequences in my main relationship with my mother were so severe. And it's so freeing to have all that be gone. And in the space of that relationship, I have space to continue to reveal like, like you, you know, who am I really? I never had that space because I was constantly engaging and being reactive to people around me. And so I never, so, so I did it a little bit later than you in my life. Um, But yeah, same thing. It's like having that space to say, man, I need to figure out who I really am. (laughs) Is this, this is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, what's so amazing is that, you know, we're dancing around a few things that we really could go super, super deep on, but yes. you know, the best thing, you know, that I've learned about when you stand up for yourself and you finally, it's not that, it's not that you couldn't stand up for yourself. You always had the ability to do it. Yes. If you weren't aware. And so, you know, I, I used to hear all the time, uh, well, for, for a while I would hear people talk about, you know, I just want ease and flow, ease and flow. Um, yeah. I want to <laughs> manifest ease and flow in my life. And <laughs> but I really, really, what I realized as I've coached people and helped people is that the price, there is a price for ease and flow, and that is effective awareness. Yes. And effective awareness. Yes. And, and I have to tell you, we are really ignorant to that. Mm-hmm. We are really ignorant to our own cause and effect, and it it's all tied up in relationships, and it's all tied up in understanding love and our worth and, and all of this. And to get all of that that messiness it's like a tangled ball of you know crushed metal and everything it's just all all together and to sort of untangle all of that um you know there is some simpler ways to untangle it all but um once you begin to know self which Mm -hmm. seems really awful uh but once you begin to know self then you know how to give 
and you know how to receive once yes. you single it all. And I think I, I think this this is a whole other thing too about a little bit of a I I would say you know. In, in the current wellness environment, there's a lot of like rule your eye moments, you know, when you hear catchphrases and things, you know, and so, right. um, you know, the big thing that came was like, you know, you need to look after yourself. And uh, because for the longest time, we thought that was really selfish, right? But it's not, I think that the wellness industry has painted it as this like, big pampering thing that you just right. need hot baths and yoga and spas. Hot and stones. <laughs> stones and your life is going to change but the 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 reality is yes you do need to invest in yourself but but there's a lot of hard work and grief that people don't want to face you know they want to they want the hot stones and the spa and the and they want eyelashes and the hair extensions (laughs) and the fingernails and the gucci bags and all that other kind of stuff there yeah and it's like you're still empty and so still empty you're still empty and so that isn't really the kind of that's not the kind of care that we're talking about that's not the kind of care i gave myself either no i gave myself the kind of care where i it wasn't about it wasn't about making money. That wasn't it. But the idea of making money for myself by helping other people, the first mm. thing that I hear from people is I'll say, what What do you want to do? And the first thing, absolutely the first thing everybody says is I want to help people. I want to help people. That's the first thing. And when I hear that, what I hear really is I want to help myself. Yes. It isn't that I want to help other people. What they have found is there's something that happened in their life that they were able to help themselves and they want to be able to help other people. But in order to help other people, they've got to be more aware of self. Yes. Instead of trying to control and manipulate people. And people are getting into the coaching industry to to almost manipulate this idea that they have and control the world yes. in this one area of their life. and. And they're really disillusioned because nobody wants that. No one no, wants that. No. And, and I would say, you know, both of us have done a, a, a lot of work on ourselves. You know, I've, I've, you know, done work with various people and there's only been really a couple standouts where, where, and obviously you are one of them. Um, Yana Robinson is another one where like, you just know that the level of work they have done on themselves is so significant um, that there's, because if you, if you haven't done that and you don't, and it's not that you're perfect and you don't mess up and you don't occasionally, you know, um, make some unconscious moves. It's not that that doesn't happen because it can still happen, but it's the, um, it's the discipline to, in terms of how quickly you see it and address it and, and turn it around. And I think, you know, people, people don't like to really look at themselves and see, where they themselves are contributing to the chaos, as you say, people don't like that. They want to, they want the gold ribbons. They want the, they want to be told that they're amazing, which they are everyone, you know, amazing, amazing, worthy of success and love. Absolutely. A hundred percent. But until you can face your own actions in the participation of the chaos and failures in your life and understand how you've, you've generated that and take ownership of it and change your behavior. You're just going to be like, you know, purple unicorns and rainbows. Like that's just all you're doing. And there's so, so much of it out there. That's why there's a lot of 
eye rolling. <laughs> I do a lot of eye rolling. I don't know about you, but I sure do. <laughs> well, I have, I have, I definitely see the, the, what's trying to be accomplished. Yes. Um, I definitely see that. One thing that I, I, I'd have to say the biggest thing that I learned is that I can only be responsible for myself. Exactly. And that seemed really, really selfish to me because I was told to deny myself, deny self, Same. deny yourself, deny yourself. And so I would just, you know, grin and bear it or, you know, gulp down another, you know, lump and say, okay, I just need to pull myself together and get going with this. And when I finally just said, no, I'm not going to do that for a while, I'm actually going to figure out who I am so I can better if I can understand me, I can begin to better understand you. And what I realized is I was really manipulating people. It, I didn't start out that way. That isn't what I was trying to do. But I just, I was perpetuating ideas from my past that really weren't helping anybody, but I just got better at enforcing the idea. You know, I was, I watched Lance Armstrong last night about his cycling career and, you know, um, the doping that was happening in a cycling career and everyone had to maintain the lie. Yeah. Everyone had to maintain the lie. Everyone did in order for the cycling to continue working. Everyone had to keep contributing to the lie. And mm -hmm. I think this is where most of us in relationships, we have to maintain the lie and, mm -hmm. and we don't really mean to do that. It's just, that's the only way that we had. And in this moment when life was so messy and so entangled, and I was entangled in so many relationships that I didn't even know myself. Yeah. And for some reason, the sea parted for me where my children were busy doing their own life. My parents passed away. Matt was busy with our I think the sea parted for me to be able to walk through on dry ground and get to the other side. And I'm forever grateful for it. And so for me now, um, the, what I try and help people do is I don't tell them, you know, that the sea will part for them and I'm not telling <laughs> them that there's dry ground, but what I'll say, I don't know where, where you are with this, but on your journey, I'm here for it. Yes. I'm not here to enable you. I'm just here to witness your journey yeah. and to give encouragement and believe in your potential for where you are. It's taken me a long time to figure that out as a coach that I don't have the answers. I don't have the answers. Oh, look, and I, I told, because of my caretaking, you know, I have had a lifetime mm -hmm. of where, you know, I would see someone struggling, like right from, you know, in grade school, because I was a, very advanced reader. And so I used to be called in to help special ed kids and things like that. And, you know, I had this habit where if they weren't getting it or frustrated, I would just do it for them. And I started very early and I carried that right throughout my adult life, my working life, the stuff I took on and completed on behalf of people, um, just, and I was, I was absolutely not doing them any favors at all, you know, and to, and I think, I think it's that it's like, um, and I, I have another business. Um, so I, ha I run a dog kennel and with my business partner, Amanda, and, you know, we went through a situation where, you know, we made some changes in the business, which were ultimately for the better, but it meant that, you know, a lot more responsibility was placed on her. And, you know, in the early days, she was very, um, 
she didn't know she wasn't confident or she didn't think she could do it or she she was a little bit you know but i knew her i knew that she could and i kept having it was also transformative because i'm like i am not going to do this for her i am going to be here for her if she wants to talk through something but i am not going to do it you know mm -hmm. and as a result like our relationship in the business the business itself everything has just been so transformed because she has gone through a period of huge, huge growth because I didn't do the work for her, you know, right. yeah. and um, it's taken, it's taken me all my life to get here. It takes as long as it takes, you know, do I wish I would have got here earlier? Sure. But does it mean that my life is going to be, it's going to be less impactful than if I had, I don't believe that. I believe that wherever you learn these lessons, your life exponentially moves in the direction um, that you're looking for, that you that you want, and it's and it happens exponentially. So you haven't missed out on anything, you know. I, you haven't. I, I, you know, it's it's interesting as, as I've been sort of reflecting on the things that we've we've been talking about, and you know, being in the moment of it. You know, we've talked a lot about being in the in the gap of things. You know, in the moment in time when you're learning. Mm -hmm. And there is a moment in time in this awareness that you have, but the end result for me, the end result was I wanted to be able to have a life of significance because that was my potential, which I believe is everyone's potential. Yes. You've got to stay within that idea. And this is why we need new ideas or new, I, new thoughts about ourselves, is because yes. we're meant to grow and you know, you don't have to, I was saying this the other day, you don't have to reason with the baby to turn on its back. Can you imagine us trying to reason with the baby? Look, you need to do this in order for you to get into college, you've got to turn over. <laughs> like you just, you can't reason. They don't have the intellect to do it. But a baby will want to turn over. Mm -hmm. A baby will want to get on all fours. Mm -hmm. You don't teach them how to do that. You don't no. teach them. It, it unfolds for them. It's it's their natural innate ability to want to go further. And I think w we hinder that by telling people, no, you have to do it this way. Yeah. You have to do it this way. And I think as you get older, it gets a little bit more complicated because it appears as if you're guiding, but really you're controlling. Mm. And it appears that, appear, it appears like help. But mm -hmm. it's not really. It's help. not no. And so it took me a while to be able to look at my husband and say, "I know we have a relationship. I don't want to live this kind of life. I want to live a different life." And he didn't ask for that. He didn't ask. He didn't. For him, five thousand dollars a month for our family of five was enough. And I didn't see myself there. I don't think he saw himself there either. But I think as you go through life, you get beaten down a bit. And yes, you don't learn the lessons. I shouldn't say get beat down, but you don't learn the lessons. And so when I said I wanted to make 50,000 and then I did it, well, that threw our relationship on a whole other tailspin because he was taught to be the provider, to be the head of the home, mm -hmm. to be all these things. And I was taught he's supposed to be the provider, the head of the home and everything. And when I realized, why am I putting that on him? If that's not, if that's not him, that this is what I want. Mm. This is what and I want. Well, and also wrapped up in all that, which we will we'll get to in another episode, is a whole bunch of attitudes just about money, you know. Yeah, yeah, just about money. And yeah, but what I I think the biggest thing was our relationship changed to where I 
I, yes, I can be the helpmate in our relationship, but I also can be the person that goes forward in the direction that I think is best for me. And he can support me and help me in that idea. And this is, this is where understanding self is so important because it does affect your other relationships and you don't work on your relationship that's the worst way to do no. it you work on your relationship you work on you, yourself yes and you allow the other person to work on their self and that's what brings a relationship together hundred percent yes yeah so 100%. once i began to see that even with my own daughters that i wasn't their mommy anymore mm -hmm. they don't need a mommy but they do need someone who believes in their potential Yes. And so I'm there as someone who believes in their potential. And yes. my relationships are getting better and better and better with my with my daughters every day they get better and they're better with my husband, they're better with the clients that I have because I understand how to support rather than manipulate. Yes. So so powerful. I love love it. Yeah. Well, wow, we've talked about so Lots much. Of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and as you say, like, you know, there's, there's a number of paths we could go down, which we will explore in future. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything else that you want to say in closing? You know, I just, I think that wherever you're at is the right place that you're at and to yeah. start there and start there with an effective awareness of what would you love and, and by you saying this is what I love, it is your God-given right to bring that into the world mm. for you. And you've got to learn for the, the price for that ease and flow is effective awareness. Yes. And I had to stop and become aware of what would it take for me to live that kind of life. And once I did, it was easy to attract people into my life. But until if I, if I kept living someone else's life and my life and someone else's life and my life, I couldn't bring it and into the world. And it's exhausting. Oh my it's exhausting. God, it's exhausting. Oh my gosh. So relationships are wonderful, but you got to get your head on right about them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks. I think this has been really excellent. Um, a lot of stuff here. So uh, join us next week. Uh, is it money next week? I think it might be money next week. I think we are going to talk about money next week. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be good. All right. Well, we'll sign off and uh, speak to you soon. All right, thanks. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Elevated Insights. If you are interested in working with Angie Tumlinson, go to our website at angietumlinson.com. Here you can book a call, join her free webinar, or find out more information about the services that Angie provides. 